All right. I'm going to have a really long sermon. I love it. (laughs) Just kidding. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and your grace. And thanks for this church. Um, There are no rules. We can do what we want and respond and, and hear what you are doing in people's lives. Help us to slow down and take time to hear what really is going on in people's lives. Teach us how to develop relationships and to live well with each other and in our communities. This morning, (laughs) I pray for some serious wisdom um, as I tackle a subject that uh, can go all over the place. And so, Father, may your Holy Spirit teach, and may you reveal some really neat stuff today. Um, Just like you've shown me this morning, some pretty cool stuff. I hope they catch it too. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to deal with a light subject today. Yeah, let's get my little remote going here. All right. Am I allowed to have the computer, Simon? Or are you still setting it up? Give me a thumbs up when we're live. Okay, thank you. All right, here we go. Really simple subject. Hope, heaven, hell, and the afterlife. We're going to cover all of it today. Can you handle that? (laughs) No, we are not. It's way too big. Um, this subject is big because people are facing this reality more and more and more. And Jesse's uh, song choice uh, directed me to this subject quickly. I had, it was sort of on the menu. And then when I saw the song list, I went, okay, there it is. It's sweet by and by. Meeting that beautiful shore, which implies heaven, right? Most churchy people will think so. Anybody that doesn't go to church will go, you're uh, connecting at a river, and... They won't get it. So what's, what's going on in our culture that we don't talk about the idea of heaven? What is hell? Uh, the afterlife? What's the reality there? And I realized that after all the funerals I do, I've heard so many things over the last 27 years that have impacted me, stuff I've not shared publicly. I've had one-on-one conversations with people. But I wanted to give a more hope-filled perspective I remember uh, last year I did a series, a two-part series on a hopeful perspective on end times. Do you remember that one? I was shaking in my boots. Those are the first two sermons I was really scared to teach because I thought, oh no, I'm tackling a subject that, well, it's like a sacred cow in this religious culture in the West. You know, that there's only one way. And if you don't like Tim LaHaye, then you're you're a heretic, you know, uh, the end time stuff or Jack Van Impey, or some of these other guys that have a lens on dispensational thinking. And so to bring in a, a freeing, better, hopeful perspective, not as an absolute truth, but as at least make the menu a whole lot better than just one perspective. And uh, that's, in fact, that's, did you know that's what theology is about? It's the study of God is, is discussing across the board, who is this God we say we believe in? Below that theology comes doctrine, which is all part of theology, but theology, the study of God, theos, that's what we do here. We study. We do it through hearing. We do it through reading. We do it through conversation. We hear it from experiences. So that's why this subject kind of piqued me. Let's Let's have a little chat. I don't know where it's going to go over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I always dreamed of doing one sermon on hell. I was going to call it, what the hell? You know, and I thought <laughs> it, it would get everybody's attention, right? 
So it's, it, this is forcing me to go there. I will discuss it because I have been learning so much about it. There's two categories of theology and doctrine that I put on the back burner for many, many, many years. The two are end times and hell. Ever since I was a teenager, I had a hard time with this, this story I was being told of what hell could be. And yet, in my heart, believing God is good and loving. How do you reconcile those two? And so, as I get into all this, I'm, I'm laying a foundation of the goodness of God. And from that, we then go look at these topics. Because if you look at it from a topic and, and think you've got it all figured out, you're going to take your belief that may be unstudied and project it onto any given text in the Bible. And they can't let the text even speak to you. So what do we really, really know? Well, most people learn about these subjects from these primary areas. Sermons, clearly. The problem with sermons is that over the years, I, how many, who's been in church forever? Who's... Okay, <laughs> okay. who's the oldest here? <laughs> okay, how old, uh, can, may I ask, without insulting, how old are you? 77, anybody older than 77? Patty, how old are you? 110. 110. <laughs> you know where liars go? <laughs> Into the grace of God, there we go. How old are you? 81. Okay, and have you gone to church most of your life? Since a baby. So you've been listening to sermons unwillingly for those younger years. <laughs> and then who knows what happened later. So here, here's my point. You hear all these ministers, male, female, who cares? Gender's not the issue. You hear these sermons from the lens of that speaker. Okay? You end up buying into that whatever they say must be true because they study. <laughs> very, very sad idea. Now, there is room for trust and respect. I got that. But as I've been telling you since I've arrived at this church, please don't trust all my words. Trust the Holy Spirit to confirm if it's true or not. Go do your own study. Some people have left because they totally disagree with what I'm talking about. That's fine. I don't, that's not a, no big deal. I, I'm not right about everything. Neither are you. But sermons can form a box for your understanding of a certain subject. That's just one place. Or you go online and listen to stuff. Nowadays you have everything streamed and all that. Here's another one. This, this, <laughs> this is probably the most dangerous one. And I'm serious. Hymns have laid out theology and usually bad theology because they had to find a way to make this word rhyme, and so they put it in there. Same with our worship songs today. Like, really, there is bad, bad theology in many of our songs. Is there good theology? Yes. One thing that's precious here at Hope Fellowship is our worship leaders take time to really think through some of the lyrics. Once in a while you see us change a line, but that's not biblical. We're not separated from God. You know, the song, you know, Lord, will you please come to me? And wait a minute, he's already here. What are you talking about? Quit singing a lie. You know what I mean? Like, things like that. Um, our theology about heaven and hell come from some songs. 
You know, there's the roast and burn lines in some of the hymns. Like, usually they don't sing them anymore because people skip over those if you've been in a church long enough. But the lyrics are all there, and they have, they're designed to teach theology, okay? Hymns are songs about God. And some of our worship courses we sing are actually hymns because they're speaking about God, where psalms and spiritual songs are songs to God, each of these songs, they all have value. There's a place for these songs. And then we have the intimate, personal ones that are between us and God, period. They're very quiet. So the lyrics matter. So we need to check and call into question, a question more often, some of the lyrics. Hmm. You know? Does this make sense? Some of us never think about it. We just sing the songs. Woo, and then when the, when the thought comes, oh, I remember somewhere it says... And you think it's in the Bible, but it's just an old hymn. You know, and then we have bad theology coming in. That's why I did the series at the beginning of the year. You know, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> and all the misconceptions we've had. That's why I did that, to, to call it out and compare so you can see, hey, wait a minute. We can be uh, believing stuff uh, subliminally that we think is true and never question it. I'm questioning many, many more things. My job is to equip you to think and then do the work of the gospel. Equip you to be the ambassadors of Christ, however you're wired in, whatever personality style you have, and just be love to people wherever you go. That's my job. I'm not to do your job. Poetry. Another place people learn theology. Quick fix books. Oh my goodness. Uh, I remember in Bible college, um, I, was, uh, I used to work at a Christian bookstore, and so they had these quick list books you know, Wilmington's Book of Lists is one of them. I still have it. Um, and then, or find it fast in the Bible, and all these little topics. And here's what happens. You go to that list. You don't take time to study. You see the list, and you prepare a sermon out of that. Guys do. Girls do. It's just, or you quickly want to find out what the Bible says about that topic. So you get a topical Bible. And all you have is the interpretation of the one who wrote the book that says that's what it means. You're led to believe, hey, it's published. It must be credible. <laughs> Wait a minute. There's a lot of crappy books out there. I remember uh, one end times book. Ah, it's hilarious. It's in Y2K. I won't even say the guy's name because it's, you'll all know if you're well-churched. I used to work at Mitchell Family Books before they closed down, and I had to do um, inventory day on January 2nd of that year when Y2K, the clock turned. We put all of this author's books out for free. All it was good for was kindling. That's it. Nobody's going to read it. Nobody's going to buy it. And yet these people still spout out crappy books that people buy hook, line, and sinker without thinking. Please engage your brain. Don't leave it at the door. Engage it. Ask questions. Study for yourself. All I can do is share with you my journey. And that's what I'm trying to do. The Bible, another great place where we get our theology from. But, but, there's more going on in the scriptures than you think. What about interpretation? What about this thing called hermeneutics? Herman who? Yeah, hermeneutics. Yeah, he's a great wisdom guy. No, hermeneutics is the study of how to interpret the Bible. 
And if you don't understand how to have a basic understanding of the Bible, where the books fit in, who they're written to, where the new and old covenants start and finish, oh my goodness, you could say, hey, the whole thing is true and all of it applies. It doesn't. The whole Bible does not apply to you, but it's for you. Many of the things are written to you, but there's a whole bunch of stuff that's for you. You can learn from, but it's not written to you. I covered that in the uh, Understanding Your Bible series I did uh, two years ago. Laying the foundation. You gotta know. Movies, oh my goodness. Especially when it comes to heaven and hell. The movies communicate theology, often very bad theology, you know? Or it might be revealing some truths the church isn't talking about. It's very possible. How do we know? Keep learning, keep growing in your understanding of who the Father is, who the Trinity is. Then you will know as you are going. There is no quick fix. There is no single sermon that will teach you all this stuff. There isn't a single book or ten books that will teach you all of this. This is about understanding the heart of the Father. That he's good. That he loves you. He's crazy about you. Well, then this came along. As I was doing my prep, (laughs) uh, I was thinking through angels, the role of angels and... um, that led me to the heaven talk, and then, well, then you got heaven, you got hell, you got to talk about that. But all of this angel talk made me realize this afterlife stuff is really critical. People do think about it. Um, I, uh, I, I'm burying somebody tomorrow, no, yeah, Monday, um, who I was told they weren't very spiritual, but in the last five days of their life, they suddenly wanted to talk about God, and the family's trying to figure out, wonder why. Oh, gee. <laughs> You put yourself in that position, you're going to suddenly become more spiritually aware. It's possible. Really possible. People are hungry to know about these spiritual things. I hope we can at least touch on some of this. So, in the book of Hebrews, um, I want to read to you the first, well, the whole, it's basically the whole chapter, but you'll have to go, come with me on this. There's a bunch of stuff in here that's going to point to the one who is the focus of this whole subject. The subject is not heaven, hell, afterlife. The subject is a person named Jesus. And how does he fit into this? Otherwise, if you go only with those three topics, you're going to go in scared. But I'm going to have Jesus walk with me through this. I don't have to fear anything. All right. Keep increasing my understanding is my prayer. May that be your prayer too. Let's dive in. Oh, by the way, do you remember a TV show a long time ago called Touched by an Angel? Let's see if I get the light right. I can pull it off. You know what I mean? (laughs) In Touched by an Angel, a TV show ridiculed by fundamentalists, loved by Catholics did something the Western Evangelical Church does not do enough. Every single show, once or if not twice, maybe even three times, they affirmed, God loves you. That's the foundation of the whole show. Redemptive grace, oh my goodness. This secular 
by the way, there's no such thing as secular and Christian. There's no split. It's a facade the church has put together. But this movie that was not designed by the Christian church, per se, is speaking the love of God in a more honest way to the people that need to hear it the most. You don't have to sound religious, but we can love people and tell them they're loved. So let's take a look at this. Hebrews chapter 1. Jesus, the language of God. I love that subtitle. Every time you see a subtitle like that in your Bible, it's not in the original language, just so you know. You know, the verses are, but not the subtitles. That's all uh, the interpreters and the translators, they put their subtitles in there. All right, let's dig in. Throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. The revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time, building one truth upon another. Pause. This is a beautiful, beautiful revelation that the revelation of God to people throughout the Old Testament was progressive. None of them had the full revelation of who God was. Most of them had it wrong, or let me, no, wrong is not the right word. How about incomplete? There we go. That's a better word. They had an incomplete understanding of who God the Father was. These are just fragments, building one truth upon another. But to us, living in these last days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of a son, the appointed heir of everything. For through him, God created the panorama of all things and all time. Last days. Folks, anything after Christ is last days. We are in the last days. It doesn't mean it's, it's a, there's a dead end coming. It gets better. There's actually a hopeful lens to look at the future instead of being in fear. Who's your daddy? You've got to answer that. And many people don't know who their daddy is. Um, the son. I love this. We speak English. God speaks in son. How's that? That's cool. For Jesus is the language of God. The sonship of Jesus is the language he now uses to speak to us. This is how God speaks to us now. Through his son. Not through prophets. We have the Holy Spirit. There's too many people running around saying, God told me to tell you, or I'm a prophet of this, or I'm a that. Woo-wee, run. Run hard. The Holy Spirit will tell you if it's true or not. But if you're only looking for signs and wonders, guess what? You'll find them. And you'll be pizzazzed and wowed by the wonders and signs versus the person, the one this speaks of. Be careful. Are there signs and wonders? Yes! Lord, can you do one of those right now? It would look great for everybody here. I'm just kidding. I wish you would. I've, I've prayed that as a kid. God, give me a sign. Let me see an angel. Just, just a glimpse. He'll change my life forever. He'll serve you forever. Just... <laughs> Have you guys done that? Yes. Yeah. And then he gently reminds me, Psst, I'm in you. 
You don't need a sign exterior. I've put my sign in you. Whoa. It's powerful. Here it goes. Uh, Verse 3. The sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor. The exact expression of God's true nature. His mirror image. Jesus is exactly like his father. Exactly. Okay? It's not good cop, bad cop. You know, where God the Father is the one ready to dish it out and zap lightning and hit the smite button and Jesus jumps in. Hey, hold on, I got this, I got this. But oh, fine. I'll get them later when you're not looking. You know, like th- this trust issue. Jesus is the exact expression of the Father as in a mirror. In fact, that's what, remember the mirror translation we've been reading from? That's why it's called the mirror translation because of this verse. But this isn't the mirror translation. I do have one later. But this is called the passion translation. I love this translation. It's beautiful. This is a reflection of God as in a mirror. He holds the universe together and expands it by the mighty power of his spoken word. Rima is the word there. Spoken word is what it refers to. He accomplished for us the complete cleansing of sins and then took his seat on the highest throne at the right hand of the majestic one. Where's the heaven in all this? He's sitting in it. He's at the right hand of the Father, the place of highest honor. He's there. Oh, and he's here. How could he be in two places at once? Yeah, he's God. That's how it works. Try and wrap this one around your head for just a minute if if you want to go down that road just for fun. Christ is in us. Yes? We're also in Christ. And Christ is in God. Oh, and all of creation is in Christ. Okay? He holds all things together. All of creation is in Christ. So Jesus had to enter himself? How how does that work? I don't know. It means we can't see everything clearly. On this side, we see but through a glass darkly, not clear. That's where death comes in. The veil is lifted, and we start to see things very differently. And I believe, and I've seen this in people's lives, They see spiritual things as they're heading close to death. And they talk about it. Some people do. Some, not in a word. But sometimes you can see their facial expressions. They're not able to physically communicate, but there's something going on in the room. You know, what are they looking at? I don't know. But they're seeing things as they transition from this earth suit into their spiritual reality and are seeing things on the other side, whether it's right here or what. I got a good verse for that. Hopefully I have time for it. But man, oh man, there's a lot going on. What you see is not what you get. It gets better. All right. Jesus, the greater than the angels, subtitle. He is infinitely greater than angels, for he inherited a rank and a name far greater than theirs. 
For God has never said to any angel what he said to Jesus. You are my favored son. Today I have fathered you, and this I will be the father to him, and he will be the son to me. God never said that to an angel. We're not to worship angels. Are angels real? (laughs) Yes, very real. And they play a role in this whole plan. They play a role in the death plan. Hopefully I'll get to that. If not, that'll tease you to come back next week. All right, just kidding. And again, when he brought his firstborn son into the world, let all my angels bow down before him and kiss him in worship. This is the Hebrew understanding of worship. Bowing, kneeling, and kissing. It's a Hebrew thought. There's more going on here than you think. All right, verse... I'm already there. Oh, okay. And about his angels, he says, I make my angels swift winds and my ministers, liturgy, fiery flames. Ooh, what, what, what's that? What could this possibly be? Let me, let me read this for you. This is from uh, Psalm 104. It says, the winds are your messengers. Angels are messengers, people. That's one of the primary rules. They are messengers and ministers. Flames of fire are your servants. And as we learn, what is fire? What is the fire of God? His love. Not torture. Love. Fire of love going out, ministering to people. This is a more hopeful lens than I ever thought. I'm not afraid of them. Although if one showed up, I'd be pretty startled, okay? Just saying, and you would probably be too. So is every other story we have in Scripture where they have to say, calm down, chill, you know, fear not. Verse 8. But about his son, he called him God, saying, Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever, and you will rule your kingdom with justice and righteousness. Wow. Next. For you have cherished righteousness and detested lawlessness. Oh, wait a minute. Pause for just a moment. There are some in the church world who think they get grace and it means they can now go and act like an idiot and misbehave and and do all kinds of unholy, ungodly behaviors and say, well, I'm under grace. It's all forgiven anyway. Have you heard that? If you haven't, you probably thought it. I have. Oh, they'll be forgiven anyway. (laughs) Well, the consequences are nasty. The true heart of the one in you is for this, detesting lawlessness. Deny ungodliness. That's grace. It's beautiful. For this reason, God, your God, has anointed you and poured out on you the oil of bliss or the oil of rejoicing more than on any of your friends. And he called him Lord, saying, Lord, you formed the earth in the beginning, and with your own hands you crafted the cosmos. How many sermons have you heard that, well, if you're at this church, I'm not sure, but (laughs) where Jesus is the one who created all things. Jesus is the creator. Did you know he gets that recognition? That changes some perspective here. There's an intimate connection with his creation here that he ends up becoming a human 
and still is human. So we have someone to relate to. There's a lot going on here. All this is coming to the verse I was really after. So I'm just trying to have you see the power of who this Jesus is. They will both one day disappear, but you will remain forever. They will all fade like a worn out garment and they will be changed like clothes. Yeah, see, that's funny. And you will fold them up and put them away. Listen to this. But you are, I am. You never change. Years without end. I am literally means this. You are as you are. Or from Exodus, I am that I am. Same words. That's who Jesus is. And this whole idea of years without end is about years will not age you, is what it means in the Aramaic language. Years will not age you. Well, on this side of that veil, it sure does age you. <laughs> you know, body ain't working like it is, and the older you get, it slows down. It's just the way it is, but not on the other side. There is hope. And God has never said this to any of his angels. Take your seat next to me at my right hand until I force you whispering enemies to be a rug under your feet, which is a gesture of triumph and victory. Here it is. What role then do the angels have? The angels are spirit. Messengers sent by God to serve those who are going to be saved. They're servants. Are you praying for people? Have a revelation of being saved? You praying for that? Guess what? You got some really big friends helping. That's what angels do. They are the messengers. This is huge. The Aramaic says this the angels are spirit winds of ministry sent to minister to those destined to receive salvation. The angels are glad to minister to us, for they see us in Christ. Okay, holy smokes. If the angels see that from their perspective, and we may not, hmm, remember, where is all of creation? In Christ. Technically. All of humanity is in Christ. Do they all believe? No. The ones who do can say, I'm saved. Those who don't believe, they just keep on rejecting it. But when the love of God is revealed, they're transformed by the renewing of their minds. They express the reality of what really is going on. So what about these angels? Let me give you some hope. These are Mike's thoughts, okay? Because the scriptures are not clear. I wish God would have been a little more clear about what happens on the other side. You know, do you have a chance on the other side or not? Is it all done on this side? You know, how much time is it before you actually go? Is there a hallway, a long time? What is it, God? Can you, can you just tell us? It's not clear, right? Anybody that thinks it's clear writes a book and they make millions. Everybody buys it and thinks they have the answer. Again, it's just a book. Here's what I've seen so far. And from my study on angels that I've done over the years, angels are ministering spirits. 
One of their jobs is to minister. Hang on. And the other one is to usher us into the presence of God. That's implied in the book of Luke. Let me just take a look at this for a moment. Oh yeah, this is the commentary on the Aramaic. I'm going to skip over to it. You can go online if you want to see it again. The Mirror Bible. Take that same verse. I've got, I got to get this in. Same verse, verse 14. What role do the angelic messengers play in God's strategy? They are all employed by God in the prophetic, apostolic ministry of the Spirit to help administer, administer the inheritance of salvation that belongs to mankind. Do we have a little more hope? What about those who take their own life? <laughs> that's a, oh, we're not supposed to talk about that one. Oh, yes, we do. Absolutely. I have hope for all the families I've dealt with over the years and how many suicides have I buried. Being able to speak hope into people's lives, believing the messengers are with them, even in their darkness, they may not perceive it in the middle of their struggle but they are never alone. Nobody is ever alone. Ever, 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 ever. Impossible. For Christ, as we just read, that's why I read it, he's created all things and he holds all things together, including every molecule in your body. You are not separated from God. An absolute impossibility. Therefore, if the presence of Christ is holding an individual together, but in their mind they are darkened to their pain and they do take their life, which happens more often than not. They are never alone. And I believe if this happens, there's an angel with them, ministering to them. What happens after the veil's lifted? What if now they suddenly see? What happens? If they're ministering to them, is there anything clogging their perception like they did in this life? Probably not. Will they receive or can they receive? Well, I think there's a good chance in my mind there's hope on the other side. That doesn't go well with traditional teaching, but guess what? I'm finding a more hopeful God than ever. I can't put my roots on it. I, I can't say this is right. This is the answer. That's not fair. This is speaking to those who need grace at the time of loss. And if they're ushering us into the presence of God, what are they doing on the way? Probably ministering all the way. That's where my hope lies. And if you did as many funerals as I've done, you just might see some of that a little more often. If it's not part of your world, then you might be stuck in the book that told you what to believe. But there are no absolutes in the scripture of what really, 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 really happens. There's some allusions to it. So let's be careful with being dogmatic. I hope I didn't sound dogmatic. I, I want to offer a lens not often talked about. Nobody wants to talk about it. Finally, I am. I, listen, there was a lady that was dying in, in Fort Erie in the hospital. Family called me in. And as she was dying, the grandkids were around, the family's all around, and they asked me to come and do a, a prayer, and I did that. And as she was going, literally, you could just see her going, um, uh, one of the grandkids went, Grandma! Grandma! Grandma, grandma, grandma. She's kind of getting her attention. And suddenly, vroom, you know. And she said, who called me? Oh, that was me, grandma. <laughs> Don't do that again. I was reaching out to his hand. Whose hand? 
Nobody said a word next, <laughs> the next time. She, <laughs> she saw something. She was reaching her hand out to a being. Is it actually Jesus? Not sure. I'll bet you it's an angel, given everything I've been learning. And, and I see it's probably an angel. And if you don't have, that's going to be wow enough, right? Seriously? There's more going on than what we see. Much more. I have hope for those on the other side. I also believe that there will be people that will be unconvinced on the other side. Even though the revelation of God is there, the fire and love of God is there, I still think there may be those. Do I have hope? Do I wish they all would turn? Yes. The dogmatic universalist will say, everybody will get in. Everybody will believe. Everybody's in no matter what. They'll be changed. How can you say no? That's, I get that. I wish that were true. Wouldn't, wouldn't you wish that was true? Like, yeah. Like, why wouldn't we wish what God would wish? You know? But instead, I'm stuck with the revelation in the scriptures given to me that give me hope, not dogmatism. Heaven, hell, the afterlife. We've got to face some of that stuff here while we live. Last, last. I'm really sorry, but I've got, I got to do this one because this might, this might blow you away. Last point. We started late because you're all late. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of a pattern here. <clears throat> Did I say that out loud? Inside voice, inside voice. Don't be troubled. These are Jesus' words. Don't be troubled. Well, we live in a troubled world. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples who saw him, lived with him, walked with him. They understood him. He said, don't be troubled. You trust God, now trust in me. There are many rooms in my father's home and I'm going to prepare a place for you. If this were not so, I would tell you plainly. When everything is ready, I'll come and get you so that you'll always be with me where I am. And then he sneaks this in. And you know where I'm going and how to get there. Wink, wink. (laughs) Drawing him in, Thomas says, No, we don't know, Lord. Uh, We haven't any idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? I think it was a pure setup. Then Jesus said, (laughs) I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I want to plant a seed in your mind for what this could mean. Remember, having a menu of more options sometimes can help you compare and say, well, your new idea definitely doesn't work. Or the old one may have value, but whoa, this is making me think. This is what I'm trying to do with you on this one. What if There are many rooms in my father's home and the room is you. And he's preparing all the rooms for himself to dwell into. He was heading to the cross to prepare humanity to die, to take us into himself and make us a new creation. Indwelt. New home. Preparing us Wiping away those things that cause us to be uninhabitable. Or at least get rid of the illusion. (laughs) What if?
Have fun with that. I, I think it's powerful. I've got more stuff, but I haven't got time to share it because it's so deep. For those who hunger for more, study more. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please continue to give us understanding and insight into the joys of our relationship with you. To not fear what heaven will be like or this concept of hell as we have been talking about. The afterlife, how does it work, Father? May we walk in trust in you, for you are in us. And as we rest in you, and your peace totally blows our mind, now we walk through our journey of understanding and growing, walking through our daily lives, even as the storms surround us, come in on us, hit us, blindside us, your peace in us walks us through it all. You are never absent. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.